0: Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Wait for it, wait for it, wait for it, waiting for it, waiting for it. it. (laughs) This is uh, our shout-out to both Hamilton the Musical and our super producer, Mr. Max Williams. I'm Ben.
2: is wait Wade, is Wade Forward a Hamilton reference? Yes. You know, I tried watching it on TV. I guess it came out on Disney+. Yeah, you always say you don't like it. I enjoyed it, but I didn't enjoy it enough to finish it. Does that make sense? You ever, you ever sure. experienced yeah. that with a series or something? Mm-hmm. A lot of content out there. I mean, Maybe a little less so now. Um, by the way, good job with the strike, guys. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, you, you, <laughs> you did that. That was all Ben's idea. But, no, no, you know, no, no. we've been talking a lot about yeah. labor organization sure. and things like that, and it is cool to see uh, something as basic and time tested as a strike, do the damn thing. With the WGA finally yeah. agreeing to some pretty basic demands. WGA, what, what, what? A lot of the smaller distributors and studios had long since agreed to. That was the mm-hmm. part that kind of always made me scratch my head
0: a little bit. That's right. Yeah. And uh, these things are often occur in phases, right? So now the SAG union, the Actress Guild, is in play. Uh, the United Auto Workers are in play. This is, this is pretty fascinating stuff. Uh, we also want to be careful because our returning guest, Alex S., is here. And as we know, uh, she will crush uh, any... Any untoward labor action. That's right. Yeah. T-
2: total total
0: buster. Total Sith Lord. Yeah. That guy. No, we're, we're kidding. We're joking. <laughs> we're, we're kidding. Sorry. Joking. She stood up and looked at us. And left, stormed <laughs> out. Presumably to go bust up some <laughs> strikes. <laughs> Alex is Alex is the best. We're all so glad you tuned in, folks. This week is a special two-part episode. We're doing that Hamilton reference entirely because of one of the tortured antagonist slash uh co-protagonist Aaron Burr, whom our pal Max Williams lovingly or just regularly refers to as America's drunk uncle.
2: Yeah, yeah it's funny. There was a, a, a Oreo, I think I've mentioned this before, mm. but there was an Oreo commercial from way back in the day where it was like a historian or something and who was asked a question of like who shot Alexander Hamilton and he's got a mouthful of Oreos and no milk. And he goes, <laughs> and no one understands him. I can't remember what the takeaway is that he look, comes off looking like an idiot or he lost out on some sort of Grant or something, but I just I remember. Erin Burr. that's all <laughs> I remember.
1: That. It's funny because Aaron Burr is in many ways a footnote in American history, which is funny because he came up in that whole founding fathers uh, story. And I was surprised. I looked through our archives extensively. because like, we had to have done an episode on Aaron we Burr. We have not. We have not. I'm like, okay, we have to because Aaron Burr. Every step of his life is just wild.
0: Yes, it very much is. It doesn't matter whether or not you're a fan of Hamilton, really. And nothing, no musical is for everyone. Uh, but there's just so much about Burr that doesn't make it into the story because the story is not Burr, it's Hamilton. So we've talked, like you said, uh, about other people who are considered influential founding father types but never quite made it to POTUS level. Aaron Burr is... On that list, along with folks like William Jennings Bryant, Henry Clay, Burr is a war hero. He's a senator. He gets all the way to vice president. And uh, at the time of his demise, he had money problems. He had been tried for treason. He'd alienated a lot of his friends or they had died Mm -hmm. because that, you know, could very much happen. But maybe we start. What do you think, Noel? We start at the beginning because like our pal Max said, this is a wild ride. Right, right. I don't know why I'm doing Echoes. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, it's, it's, good. it's
2: it's in the parlance of, of, of hip-hop. Um, so <laughs> let's talk a little bit about his early life. He was born, uh, as, you know, in at this in this time in American history, you'd be hard-pressed not to be born into some kind of military circumstance. Sure. You know? Your parents either fought in the war or you grew up with aspirations to be a soldier, whatever it might be. His father, Aaron, Aaron Burr Sr., was a Presbyterian minister— and he was the second president of the College of New Jersey, which uh, later became Princeton University. His mother, Esther, which is a lovely name that you don't hear much anymore these days. I'm a big fan of Esther. Esther Edwards Burr, the daughter of Jonathan Edwards, who was a theologian uh, in his own right. Aaron Burr was born February 6, 1756, in Newark, New Jersey. We're talking Sopranos country. Uh, Burr's father sadly passed when Aaron was only a year old, and then his mother passed the following year, so he was orphaned by the age of two. Ouch! That's no good. No. Um, and he uh, and his sisters moved, and thankfully they they didn't have to you know move into an orphanage. Their grandparents took uh, took care of them, but by the time Burr was four years old, ah. Uh, Jeez, you hate to hear it. His grandparents died as well. Sure. Um, so, for much of his youth, he, he did spend living with an uncle by the name of Timothy Edwards. I
0: don't know why that's a hilarious name to me. It sounds, it's one of those names that's hilarious if someone is yelling at to indicate a person is in trouble timothy edwards yeah well it's like a, for, a last
2: name first name first name timothy yeah it's like a one of those first name first name situations <laughs> edward edwards would be fun too but timothy uh, yeah, timothy would uh, yeah, be t- hilarious t- like tony 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 for the longest time i thought his name was pronounced tony tony tone
0: uh-huh like yeah, the last the one spelled, you know because yeah. it
2: was like you know he's, he's got mad tone sure. or whatever but no it's tony tony major, Tony. major major Major, another major, yeah. major, minor, major, laser, all of the majors. Uh, so Timothy was a pretty successful fellow. Um, again, a very uh, revered profession at the time and still today, though, maybe slightly less revered, a little more reviled. Uh, he was a lawyer um, and he did uh, spare no expense, um, as John Hammond of Jurassic Park fame would say, in uh, young Aaron's education. Um, he hired tutors from Princeton, or at least who had uh, received their education at the prestigious university, to educate him uh, until he himself could follow in the f- family legacy and attend uh, Princeton University.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even back then, of course, Princeton is a big deal. He's 11 years old when he applies to Princeton for the first time. He's turned away because Princeton, you know, very reasonably says aren't you 11 years old? Uh, So he waits for... Child! Right, right. He waits for two years, age 13. He reapplies, and he is accepted. He matriculates into Princeton where he studies theology until he's about 19 years old.
2: Silly question, maybe. I guess there are no silly questions. We are a bit of a silly show. Fair. Um, They didn't really have the system of, like, elementary, middle, and high school. In this era that we would know today, no. so you'd be more likely to, it'd be sort of a gray area as to when the appropriate age to go
0: to higher university, higher education yeah. might be. Right, you just have to have the money and be persuasive, and the chaps, ha- have the connections. Yeah. You know, this is back in the time where your higher schooling is like, I'm gonna go live with the guy in town who makes glass. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah, be yeah, much more classman. of an ap-
2: apprentice uh, in you know, master tradesman yeah. kind so, of situation.
0: So he studies theology, and at age nineteen, he says. Ah, I don't believe in God. God's fine, I guess. I'm gonna study the law, so I'm moving to Connecticut, the Constitution State, uh, and the colonial protests are happening around this time. You're getting reports of the Continental Congress, and he's got an itch and he's got an itchy foot on this. You know, he's thinking I should be stepping somewhere. I should be doing something. How? long can this unsustainable situation continue? He learns about Lexington and Concord in 1775, and so no longer a theologian, no longer a law nerd. Burr becomes a soldier.
2: Your quick props to American Battlefield Trust. Uh, sure. If you go to their website, battlefields.org, you can donate or even become a member. But there's
0: fabulous biographies of a lot of uh, great Americans, uh, um, uh, including uh, Aaron Burr. And also, of course, shout out to Britannica. They're, they're solid, man. Britannica.com as a source. Remember Encyclopedia Britannica? I the physical do. ones? Yeah, yeah, I do. You uh,
2: buy them from a salesman. They were wildly expensive. They really were. But it was almost like that was an investment in your future. Now, now it's laughable because that's all like on the internet for well, free.
0: It's still classy. We had we had a set of encyclopedias, gilded text along the spines, mm-hmm. all that good we stuff. Had, we had a set of encyclopedias way back in the day, and I remember my dad telling me uh, that these encyclopedias were printed in this year. Mm-hmm. Our knowledge, therefore, in this house, goes to this year and stops mm-hmm. because we're not buying another set of encyclopedias. Yeah,
2: sort of like how ridiculous history uh, ends at uh, apartheid.
0: Yeah, mid '90s, mm-hmm. we said that's where we—that's what we consider history. Reflexible, though, you know. Well, yeah, and Burr, at this point, to be fair, he had no idea what was going to happen. As we mentioned, this was a very dangerous time right. to be a soldier, especially in the well, in general, but especially in the Continental Army. His career there, however, was long and prosperous. He thrived. He uh, also served under a buddy of his who would later become famous, Benedict Arnold, mm-hmm. a.k.a. one of America's bad bends.
2: That's right. And, and
0: uh, Ben Shapiro. That's right. And in, in that bio on um,
2: battlefields.org, they make the point that uh, Benedict Arnold, of course, became sort of like Brutus, you know, uh, a bit of a pejorative, like, you Benedict Arnold, that sure. means you're a traitor, right? Or, yeah. or Brutus. Um Burr himself has sort of come to occupy that space, although, you know, one could argue that it's a little more complicated than that, as it is with any of these folks. But the headline's usually more interesting
0: than the article. Well, yeah, you know, that's why you print the retractions later in the paper. <laughs> yeah. People, people usually uh, skip right past. Those. Yeah. So that, I think that's an excellent point, man, because we do have to remember there's a lot more nuance to these situations. We have the benefit of retrospect. So we can look back and say like, Hmm, clearly this guy, you know what I mean? It's like watching cabin in the mm-hmm. woods again. Right. And then you pick up on stuff, all the things, Yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. little
2: clues, the little mm-hmm. Easter eggs. They yeah, are watching any twist oriented film again, mm-hmm. you know, you're, yeah. you're kind of rewarded. Uh, it's actually kind of fun. I've been watching a lot of the, the back yeah. catalog of um, David Fincher lately. He's a big fan of The Twist. Sixth Sense. That's Bruce Willis the whole time. True. And, that is, and then that's uh,
0: Forrest <laughs> Gump's little son as well. Yeah, it's right. actually a shared universe. Nobody, nobody talks about that. No one talks about that, but that is an episode for another day.
3: Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring.
0: And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The stuff that Burr does during the war, um, partially due to his better than average background, and partially due to his schooling. Uh, He quickly enters the inner circles of the army, the halls of power. Mm -hmm. He becomes an aide-de-camp, which I guess is just like your boy, Your sidekick? It's like the best boy in movies. Your your valet, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, He he marches. He participates in this march uh, along with a lot of volunteers. Well, actually, he was one, excuse me, in this situation. He was a volunteer. Marched 350 miles through the northern wilds of Quebec to invade Canada, which I always just think is funny, you know, because we think of Canada as just being our, like, gentle, docile neighbors to the Mm. north. And the idea of invading them just seems mean. So apparently, though, this was not a particularly fortuitous uh, expedition for the American army, Uh, but it was uh, a positive outcome for uh, young Aaron Burr. Um, When the soldiers got to Quebec, Burr, as he said, was appointed uh, General Richard Montgomery's aide de camp. Uh, Mm -hmm. Burr became a a quite storied, you know, army hero um, in the wake of this battle. And there were reports that General Montgomery had died in the arms of his best boy, Mm -hmm. young Burr, and that Burr actually tried to uh, save Montgomery's body. Um, But unfortunately, the the brutal winter conditions um, prevented him from doing so. Another Hamilton, uh, member of the Hamilton coterie, uh, Theodore Sedgwick, yes. um, wrote a lot of letters to Burr, uh, describing him as being, uh, this funny mm-hmm. sounding now, mm-hmm. out of context, mm-hmm. being young, gay, and enterprising, and martial genius.
0: Yeah, totally different meaning now. He's saying you got to go get him attitude. You're always in a good mood. A You're thinking out of the mm-hmm. box. You're good at military Sharp-minded. Tactics. And then... Burr goes and works just for a bit with old straight seahorse teeth himself, George Washington, who will later become president of the United States. Burr gets, uh, he he's not there too long because he likes being the best boy. So he goes to work with General Israel Putnam as his aide-de-camp and he becomes a, this is weird, he becomes a crucial leader in a famous retreat, When the American forces have to leave New York, he's one of the guys who's, like, the best at running away. Yeah,
2: run away. In New York, he could and did become a new man. That's my only Hamilton
0: reference that I'm going to drop. Maybe I could say not—
2: Throwing away my shot. I know that one.
0: Too. That's true. Yeah, that big that that long shout out to Eminem. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I only made it through like Act One. And
2: look, don't get me wrong, it is a marvel. It's beautifully it produced. I, I'm I'm sure it does. And it again, I I only, it was I think I was just distracted and then never came back. Or maybe there's somebody with me that didn't want to finish. I can't remember. I, I'm going to go back to it. Um, also, kind of watching Broadway stuff on TV, it just hits different than seeing it in in, in Sure, theater, you know?
0: I I enjoyed it, and it's. I see what you're saying because when it gets kind of in the weeds of politics, that's where it may lose a lot of people, right? But once it picks back up, it swells. It's epic. Uh, I, I I think it's worth it. But also, let's be honest, folks: too much hype can kill anything. That may have been I part think of it that too. Might be what it happened yeah, to you. I
2: think so too. Because I mean, one of my favorite musicals, and just about any adaptation of it at all, is a very. Into, into the what, what is it, Turn Off the Dark? Yeah, that one was a hit. Uh, no, Les Miserables, which is also a very in-the-weeds military and kind of political piece. I just love it. I like the book. I love the music. I, it's, I, think, I think for me it's a, it's a youth thing. Like, I, I grew up hearing those songs. My mom was a yeah. singing teacher, but I really thought that the uh, film adaptation they did where everyone sings their own stuff, you know, mm-hmm. I thought that was really well done, and that guy, of course, went on to make Cats, which was not good. Are you
0: serious? Get out! What do you mean? No, I messed with it. It was you. bad. It was, it was, oh, it was you bad. know. Well, everybody loves a train wreck. At you least, know. at least the cats didn't have buttholes like he originally wanted. You know, maybe that would have put it you over think it the edge. It pushed that it over the have edge. It. Yeah. Best supporting actor. Is Can you this believe cat's that? He, no, we need more realism in these these anthropomorphic sex cats, yeah. guys. We don't want to break the magic here these need to be anatomically yes. accurate anthropomorphized cats i think they had to remove them in post they did it yeah added a huge cost to I'm production. because sure. <laughs> it turns out it turns out if you are a video editor you're deep in the cgi there's not just a remove all buttholes mm-hmm. button yeah they need to add that to, to, to after effects mm-hmm. or whatever. max is nodding vigorously
1: i am and also you guys have not said anything about my pants
0: I, I can't saw. See your I pants, saw bro. them, but we had to walk right in. I can't see your pants. Walk right in. Set right oh, down. Oh man, you monster, Max! You got your white pants on. You monster. You, uh, you rabble. So Burr is like, one day, this is going to be part of a musical. My life is going to be part of a musical.
2: However, though, he probably didn't necessarily at this point think that he was going to be the villain. No, no one quite. ever does, though, do they? No one ever does.
0: Right? You know, like. Tamer Lane or Timer the Lame was probably thinking, I'm bringing the world together. Alexander the Great was like, look at my street name. Mm-hmm. I can't be that bad. Check out my white pants. Pol Pot is like, you know, Saloth Sar sounds a little evil, so I'm going to get more of a name that people will trust. Is it bad that whenever I hear Pol Pot, I just think pulled pork? No. Okay. Also I think it's weird that his name sounds so villainous. Yeah. Our, our pal Alex is not actually a Sith Lord, but if your name is Saloth Sar, mm-hmm. you sound straight out of Star Wars. Very true. You definitely have the red lightsaber. Mm-hmm. And so Burr again doesn't he's doing his best. Uh he we're joking a little bit about the retreat, but what he figures out is pretty pretty epic. He designs the safest route out of the city, and Mm -hmm. he guides 5,000 people to safety. He salvages U.S. artillery, which is incredibly important at this point. And because of this action in 1777, Washington says, Burr, you've earned it, bud. You're officially a lieutenant colonel, which means you will be in command of more than 300 men. He fights off these British raids into New Jersey. He defends a pass at Valley Forge during a really crappy winter in 1777. Seems on brand. Yeah, and then there's the Battle of Monmouth. Uh, He is defeated at the Battle of Monmouth, and he also gets some mounting health problems because he's been going hard in the paint for a while, So he resigns in 1779 from the Continental Army. He makes another shift. Mm -hmm. He says, I remember... I kind of like doing law stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in New York I can be a New man. <laughs> I'm sorry that's all I got. Yeah, he passes the bar
2: uh, in 1782, the New York State Bar uh, opens up his law what do they call it, hanging out a shingle.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's what they say. Yeah, your shingle.
2: Uh, and that's probably where that term came from. You know, they say it in like Better Call Saul, but it's probably an old-timey uh legal term from when you'd literally have a practice and your little sign would be out front and it would be like in the form of a little shingle. Um so he's set up for lawyering in and Uh, He marries a widow, um, and the couple um, stays together until her death in 1794. In 1784 and 1785, he gets elected to the state assembly. And then in 89, because we're in the 17s, I'm just going to say 89, uh, he gets appointed uh, attorney general by Governor George Clinton. (laughs) Not of Parliament Funkadelic fame, unfortunately. He could have had some funk in his soul, though. Uh, by 91, he has built a very successful political movement against General Philip Schuyler, uh, who is the father-in-law of, ding, 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 Alexander Hamilton.
0: Wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. Who's then the Secretary of the Treasury. Yes. And he wins. Burr wins the election, as any fan of Hamilton knows. And Hamilton takes this personally. Burr runs for vice president in 1796. He loses. You can read a lot about the U.S. presidential elections, by the way, especially the election of 1800, on encyclopediavirginia.org. It's well worth the time. Mm-hmm. We're getting to that election in just a second. Here's what you need to know. Burr runs for vice president in 1796. He loses. Ah, boo. Uh, he <laughs> you know, it kind of snowballs for him for a second. He doesn't know
2: themes with this guy. I tell yeah, you.
0: he doesn't get reelected to the Senate. He loses to Shiler and he spends the next two years deep in state politics all the way until the 1800 election. It's a grudge match. This is back when if you ran for president and you got second place, you would be the vice president. To your basically your mortal enemy. So there's a rematch between Adams and Jefferson, and they <laughs> and they don't want to be in a situation where Jefferson is Adams VP. So the parties try to say, all of our teams, all of our electors, you gotta be on one page. We got to be unified. On the Federalist side, Adams is gonna run with Charles Coatsworth, Pinckney. Uh, not, not a superpower name and Jefferson is going to be running with, you guessed it folks, Aaron Burr. Oh, and there's no popular vote at this point.
1: Oh, fun.
0: Right. Fun. Yeah. So
2: oh, just, can
1: I jump in real quick? Please, guys? Jump, jump on in. I, I don't think I've told you guys the story. I think I was saving it for this episode. And You're related just to remember- Aaron Burr. No, I'm not. But this, this is going to get a little bit. The wedding I went to in Michigan that I wore these lovely white pants. To. They look good. They it, look good on they're, you. Yeah. They're, they're amazing. And we I'm talked
2: wa- up your white pants uh-huh. in, yeah, our, yeah. in our Labor Day
1: episode. And, and you ragged on me. Ben's like, oh, Max only wants to talk about the white pants because he wants us to notice that, that he's working out. I heard. I heard everything you guys said, <laughs> Good. including that entire concert going on behind you. Good. um, And great work on that, by the way. Oh, of course, of course. But so where I was sleeping at my aunt's house, it was like, it's, it's like she moved in this house recently. It's got she needs to do a lot of work. But there's this painting hanging. So. Her husband's grandfather painted really weird things. and No one understands the things he painted. But hanging, watching me sleep every night was a painting of Aaron Burr. And no one huh. understands why he picked Aaron Burr. Huh. Uh, and my Uncle Dave is a character. He is just a, he's just a classic, amazing character. And so be, being a character, he won't let my Aunt Jennifer take it down. But she wants to burn it. She's like, Aaron Burr sucks. And it's weird. He needs to get Aaron burned.
2: Yeah, that's very weird. That's an odd one. Usually, if you're going to have a political portrait hanging up on the wall, it'd be a Jefferson or a Washington or a Lincoln. Aaron Burr's a little bit of an odd choice, uh, as we'll get to quite soon. Why?
0: Yes. Yeah. And no sense in standing on ceremony. Let's let's dig in here. At this time, the state legislatures appoint electors. Men of letters and learning, the idea went, uh, will surely make the most uh, informed and most advantageous or mm-hmm. beneficial choice.
2: So is this like kind of an early form of the electoral college? Very similar, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And also, it, uh, also, it's intellectually fraudulent to pretend that that is the case. But the Democrats, Republicans, that's Democrat-Republicans, sweep most of the South. They get all the electors from Georgia, Kentucky, South Carolina tennessee virginia all All the the best states all the all the top ones all the quality ones all the all the smooth jazz adams is, is in contrast he's doing very well in the northeast he gets all the votes from connecticut delaware massachusetts new hampshire new jersey rhode island vermont and because burr is on the ticket and burr is a new yorker jefferson Wins that state. If you look at the other states at the time, Carolina, nor- the North Carolina, uh, Maryland, and Pennsylvania, eh, it's way more mixed. So the Federalists said there might be a tie. We need to figure out. We need to figure out how to make sure that doesn't happen. No one wants a tie. Let's go to Rhode Island, and we'll have one of our boys cast one vote for John Jay. Yeah. So all the Democratic Republican electors
2: contrastingly um, cast their ballots for Jefferson and Burr. Uh, and since the electors couldn't indicate um, a presidential or a vice presidential s- vote specifically— He just had was, the name. Yeah, the result was a tie, uh, and then the winner was going to be determined by a duel to the death. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We'll get to that,
0: though. We'll they, get to that. Yeah, they, had the, um, they eventually do get to— some good dueling, as as we'll see. At this point, though, the duel is a lot less physical and a lot more bureaucratic. Under the existing parliamentary rules that they applied, a tie had to be decided by the House of Representatives. Each of the 16 states gets one vote per state. Problem being, the House of Representatives is controlled by the lame-duck Federalist government. All the Federalists want to choose in their mind the lesser of two evils. They say, do you like Burr? No, I mean, I don't trust him, but he sure isn't Jefferson. And they're all like, yeah, beat me here, Max. They're all like, yeah, fuck that guy.
1: Is it still the same way? Well, I feel it's like it very similar, is. it seems yeah, like, with, but the, with are, the Electoral College. But
0: there are... Um, there's a lot more work going on behind the scenes to prevent a tie.
2: You know, when we're talking all this stuff out loud, it sure sounds a hell of a lot like casino rules, you know, or rules for some some esoteric, you know, card game. Wait till we get to the double down. Oh, (laughs) yeah, it's wild, man. Sorry, I'm damaged from Vegas. Never be the same. So voting in the House of Representatives starts on February 11th of 1801. And on the very first ballot, Jefferson wins as the choice of eight of the states, while Burr gets the support of six. So more than 30 additional uh, votes are held over the next few days with the same, unfortunately, uh, tied results. Bit of a stymie kind of situation there. Alas, around 36 ballots um, are then cast with the Federalists in Maryland and Vermont um, deciding to sit those out, giving those states to Jefferson, who is then elected uh, with Burr as his VP on February the 17th by a majority of 10 states to four. And Delaware and South Carolina actually cast blank votes, which just seems like, what is that, like a—
0: tight. Kind of a flex.
1: Like they a, were very a artsy mm. at that
0: point. You know, the, it was it was a message about the dangers of government overreach.
1: They're just being petty, right?
0: No, they're being artistic. Petty. Artistic. Petty. Artistic. I'm gonna cut you
1: out, and he says it's just gonna be me being petty. Artistic. Artistic. Artistic.
3: Max, we'll with great
0: power comes great responsibility.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I just hyped you up Do so the right about thing. No, know.
0: no. I was I was am on your side. You stole the wrong radio this time. Uh that's a reference for just a few people in the audience. Is that also from Hamilton? <laughs> you know what? What is not from Hamilton? Yes, uh in Max's defense as well, uh, it is clearly a it is clearly a protest vote. It's clearly being the people who say, well, I'm not going to do anything. You know what I mean? It is somewhat petulant, but they probably felt they had no other option. This election, just the massive poop show of this whole thing, is the origin point, the catalyst for the adoption of the 12th Amendment in 1804. The 12th Amendment says, all right, electors, you're still voting. But you're casting separate ballots for president and vice president because those blank votes were just ridiculous. You guys, we're grown ups. We're starting a new country.
3: Snag a Job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. Snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
0: This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Anyway, we've got to get to the duel. And on the way to the duel, it is important to note that Burr was not a bad vice president. He had good judgment. Thomas Jefferson, like many, many other people, did not trust Burr and said, keep that guy out of the White House politics. Don't let him do his job. His his story thus far seems to
2: be one of pretty great competence, at the very least,
0: you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, He was
2: a
1: smart guy. He was a brave guy, it would seem, you know? Uh, I I will say, when it comes to researching Burr, it's interesting, at least from the sources I've found, was it's either all the way to like, hey, Aaron Burr was actually a very important person To Hey, Aaron Burr was crazy. (laughs) <laughs> There's no middle ground. It's really interesting. It's weird. kind of his story. But I mean, th- yeah. it's like one of these things, you know, history is written with bias. It is. sure, uh, And we all kind of know... Where the story somewhat ends and then when it continues to end further and further on, mm-hmm. it gets wilder and wilder. But it's 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 interesting because yeah, it looks like he was just gonna be in that list of people like founding fathers. This guy's very famous and awesome and successful.
0: There is a Venn diagram between greatness and insanity, however. That's right. And I would argue that many, many great people have a much higher uh likelihood of being what we would consider insane. A little touched. To be that ambitious, totally, you have to you have to be able to envision that kind of larger-than-life pursuit for yourself, which means you basically hallucinate your way into success.
2: Yeah, but, but then, you all depending on the outcome... That can either be described as ambition or delusions of grandeur. You know, no one ever says someone who wins and does a good job and goes down in history (laughs) had delusions of grandeur. No, it was just grandeur. There were no delusions. Uh, They call it ambition, even if they have to step on a few toes, you know, to to break the eggs that make the omelet. That's how that expression goes.
0: Sure, yeah. You led the figure of speech to
2: water. (laughs) (laughs) I made it drink. (laughs) I waterboarded that figure of speech. Oh, that's
0: terrible. Uh, Uh, Don't waterboard. Yourselves, folks. It's not as fun as it sounds. Uh, and Burr is now part of a power divide. Right? Jefferson says, oh, "I don't like this guy. Keep him out of the White House." You know what I mean? Make him eat lunch in the back. And and Burr says, "I'm going to run the Senate, and he's pretty good at it. He's a good. He's a good." Uh, diplomat. Uh, he, he plays the game of houses, or das de mar, as they call it in Wheel of Time. He, he plays this very well, and he's able to grow people to incentivize or disincentivize them. There's an impeachment trial that comes up for a justice, Federalist Justice Samuel Chase. This was back when bad justices, even Supreme Court justices, could get in trouble.
2: Ah those were the days, huh? Yeah, now they're bulletproof. I gotta add a really stupid aside. Ooh, um, we've been talking about how you know the Aaron uh, our boy Aaron, ended up in some pretty chilly situations, old you know, with yeah. the with the snow, you oh, know, oh, where he oh. had to potentially carry the body of his, uh, his uh, commanding officer, sure, yeah, but it was too snowy, and then there was another snowy condition. His last name is Burr.
0: That's worth it, and <laughs> and he's Burr Jr. Um, and it's weird too because he doesn't have a middle name, huh? Or at least that we know of uh,
2: may have been lost to history. But Jefferson um, has—he's grown tired of this sure. this shenanigans, this yeah. power. You know these power-hungry vultures of the judiciary, uh, and he decided to um, try to limit Federalist influence on the Supreme Court by kicking Samuel Chase to the curb. And in order to do that, he had to exploit uh, some of this gentleman's uh, earlier shortcomings Sure, that were, of course, on the record. Um, After the House voted to impeach Chase— Get him out of here. Get him gone. His impeachment was, uh, of course, supposed to be decided by the Senate and then presided over by the VP,
0: our guy Burr. And so Jefferson comes in in the background, and and he's like, look— I don't love you. You don't love me, but we are trying to be on the same team. Do me a solid here. Get this friggin' Sam guy out of office. And Burr says, you know, I hear you. And when people say, I hear you, that means they acknowledge that you're speaking and they're not going to do squat. Mm. So so he says, I hear you. But then he handles the case as judiciously as possible. And uh, a newspaper that already kind of was beefed up with Burr says the following. He conducted the hearings with the dignity and impartiality of an angel, but with the rigor
2: of a devil. Wow. Okay. All right. So because of uh, his impartiality, um, a Democratic-Republican majority uh, let Chase off the hook. Mm -hmm. Um, So this didn't sit well with Jefferson, let's just say. Yeah. But it did— I mean, it was a success for Burr in that he made it happen. Yes. But politically speaking, it was probably not a smart move. I wonder what his calculations were. Why he, Did he not see the forest for the trees and that Jefferson was going to be an important man? Did he think it was okay to piss him off because he wasn't going places? That seems like a, a miscalculation.
0: Right, yeah. He Burr was very much a calculated dude. And if we had to guess, his impetus or his reasoning was something like, I will prove that even to my political enemies, everyone I gets a be. fair shot. Which is I'm a man a, of principle. Admirable. That's in, how in the way. law is supposed to work. It is. And, and Jefferson was like, "Heck no, we're breaking
2: up." That's right. And you can almost argue that Jefferson was being a little uh, shady by saying "ram it through." What? No you way. Uh, so that's you know okay. This is very interesting. Um, so you know again, according to Aaron Burr's biography, this victory would
0: kind of be Burr's last, at the very least, last successful political maneuver. His last big tent item. Yeah, because after this trial, Chase gets off and goes on his merry way, justicing round the land, and Thomas Jefferson says, hear me and hear me now. Aaron Burr will not be my running mate in the election of 1804. And they say, well, who's it going to be, Mr. Jefferson? And he goes, I don't care. And at the same point, concurrently, uh, while Burr is navigating the halls of power, he is increasingly beefed up with his longtime frenemy, Alexander Hamilton. And they are sniping each other back and forth. So there's not really a Twitter, right? There are just zines and there are broadsheets, publications, stuff like that. So these guys are firing shots at each other. In the public sphere, in the world of print, and then in the world of uh, oration, all the time. In 1800, Burr publishes something called The Public Conduct and Character of John Adams, Esquire, President of the United States. This document is very, very critical of Adams because Adams is a Federalist. And Burr did not write this, by the way. He obtained it, he purchased and published it. The author was Hamilton and Alexander Hamilton is saying, Aaron, a bomb, bro. I meant that for just us. This isn't supposed to go out to the whole town, it's not supposed to go out to everyone in America who can read, and then Burr probably said, well, you know, it's, it's like not a lot of people can read.
2: It's like the historical equivalent of copying the wrong people on an email where you're trash-talking said people.
0: And he did it on purpose. He did it on
2: Yeah, it was the accidental text on purpose. <laughs> yeah.
0: From Curb. Yes, if anybody exactly. Remembers yeah, that, yeah. That episode. So this was very embarrassing to Hamilton and injured some of his uh, relationships and networking. And then... Still, then, they they did not fight yet. There's just more and more tension, right? And the New York governor's race occurs in 1804. This is when things get... uh, who, what, how did Olivia Newton-John put it? Yeah, this is when things get physical. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like trying to trying to <laughs> place that. No, I guess
2: I, I think of her as uh, in in Greece. Is it? She
0: is the one who's like no. Really I'm, I'm, yeah, that was
2: more like her. Yeah, that was like her kind of later like disco solo music career. Mm-hmm. I guess I just always think of her as as uh, you know in the in the the Bobby socks and the poodle skirt mm-hmm. and all of that mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Burr thought that if he won uh, in 1804 the New York governor's race that he could kind of back some of the power and some of the clout that he had lost uh, in, you know, crossing Jefferson, uh, right? Mm
0: -hmm. And also,
2: obviously, this accidental text on purpose didn't really bode well for him either, because these men, Jefferson and Hamilton, are very quickly, uh, well,
0: Jefferson already, of course, but very quickly, you know, big-leaguing Burr. Yeah, and Burr says, forget you guys. I'm running as an independent. And if I win, if I can pull this off, then it's a it's a whole new town, baby. Uh, and Burr will be back in business. So it's a it's a risk. It is a calculation. It's a heck of a gamble. And Hamilton is laying awake at night terrified about this idea. He's like, oh, Burr is in charge in New York. He's gonna ruin the whole thing. At this point in my life, he says to himself, I despise and mistrust and hate Aaron Burr. He's a Burr in the shoe of America. And Hamilton tries to convince the Federalist in New York not to support Burr at all in any shape, form, or fashion. He wasn't the main person who shut down the election, but he probably didn't help. And so Burr's campaign to be governor of New York fails.
2: Do you think there was a generalized mistrust of Burr at this point? Because he seemed to be a bit of a double dealer, a bit of a, 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 you know, two-faced kind of?
0: Well, maybe not two-faced, but uh, 100% he was, I mean, not for nothing is there that talk less, smile more part Mm -hmm. in Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And I think you probably watched that part, right? I can't recall. Okay. Well, it's a good part. (laughs) I neither confirm. <laughs> there we go. And he was one of those guys. He was a neither confirmed nor denied dude. And that even when you're behaving with principle, that means that people are going to have a trust deficit with you. The winner of the election is Morgan Lewis, the New York Republican candidate. He is supported by George and DeWitt Clinton, who, uh, despite the name being DeWitt, which feels very Appalachian to me, I can say yeah, that it does and um, DeWitt is one of the most powerful Republicans in New York, and they crush Burr. Oh, I mean, sad. this is a bloodbath. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I want to do like a, a dive into the to the New York Clinton family because they're like one of the kind of like a, almost mob style families yeah. in early America. Yeah, that yeah. We, like, we don't talk about, but they controlled a lot of this country.
0: And it's funny because they don't show up in a lot of uh, national level. Uh, grade school textbooks. You have to be from, you know, that specific part of the right. country yeah, The to one with about the, them.
2: the The one with the building and the road named after them, you know, with the endowments and all that. The it, it, it is funny, though, like, you know,
0: I, <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
2: When, you know, I was in Detroit recently, and you probably can think of some of these names, Max, there were some buildings that were named after some people that were obviously very well known in the politics and the history of that part of the country that I have absolutely no Knowledge of and some really fun Midwestern y sounding names.
0: Aaron Burr, you were gonna rue the day. You crossed D with Clinton. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure that's how that patrician sounded. Yeah, this um this battle for New York is bad. And on some level, Burr, despite his own miscalculations and his own warts and imperfections and ugly bumps of a career, uh, he says Hamilton. Is is the one of the big reasons I lost this election. Hold the phone. Oi, oi. Uh we are going to make this a two parter, which we discussed earlier in advance. Hello. Hello. I don't know what I'm doing. You're, do, I, you're doing, yeah. I, we're not going to throw away a shot on the British accent. We
2: shouldn't. We, should, we never should. <laughs> Although there will come a point where uh, uh, one of our characters does have to run away to England and potentially adopt a fake British accent.
0: Yeah. And that actually happens more than once mm-hmm. in this series. So uh, thank you as always for tuning in. Please join us Thursday for part two of Aaron Burr, America's Drunk Uncle. We'll see you next time, folks.